Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's passage is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. In light of that prayer this morning, I trust that we all see the hope that Jesus Christ and he alone has to offer, and that it might make what we're going to look at this morning all the more meaningful, that we might hear Christ's call all the more clearly to bring the gospel to a broken world. So we've been looking at Westgate's core commitments. Today we look at the commitment to outreach. It's not an overstatement to say that outreach is a matter of spiritual life and death. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will we call upon him in whom we have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is granted life eternal. And God is asking, whom shall I send to tell people about Jesus so they might believe? Let's pray. Lord, give us the compassion of Christ for our neighbors the power of the Spirit in our gospel presentations, and your wisdom in our sharing your truth. Lord, speak to each one of us wherever we are on our spiritual journey. May we hear you this morning. Amen. On two occasions, people asked me unsolicited, how can I find God? You know, it doesn't get any better than that. We all wish that a friend, a relative, a neighbor, or even a stranger would ask us that question. But it's not likely to happen. It's only happened to me twice in 40 years of ministry. So that means we have to go out to them and to begin the conversations. What holds us back from sharing God's message. 
You know, there, there's a number of reasons. This morning we're going to address three of those. What holds us back? Well, we may not think that our neighbors would be interested in what the gospel has to offer. We don't hear God's call to us to be his ambassadors. And we may lack confidence in the gospel presentation. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 through 21 can help us break through these barriers by one, leading us to realize the treasure of the gospel, to value our role as ambassadors of Christ, and to have a gospel presentation ready. Realize the treasure of the gospel, value our roles as ambassadors of Christ, and have a gospel presentation ready. Realize the treasure of the gospel. When I was in seminary, my brother had a business trip to Dallas, so we met for dinner. During the dinner, I shared Christ. His response was, I don't really need him. My life is going great. I just made a killing in a business deal. I'm not interested in the hereafter. What does God have to offer me here and now? What he said 40 years ago remains the dominant perspective. People don't value eternity as they have in the past. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't value it. It should be one of our greatest motivations for sharing Christ. We have the gift of eternal life in our hands to present to them in Christ. We should desire that they want it even if we don't. So if any of us have fallen into the trap of believing the here and now is more important than an eternal presence of joy with God, I ask you, go to YouTube. My wife showed me a presentation there from Francis Chan called The Rope Illustration. So go to Francis Chan, The Rope Illustration. I see some heads nodding. The gospel offers us eternal life. And we should want our neighbors to experience it even if it isn't their priority. But the gospel also offers a new life in Christ that can connect even with a here and now generation. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you're like me, you may look at some of your neighbors and wonder, why would they be interested in the gospel? They, uh, they're the nicest people. They're the kindest people. They don't seem to have any cares or needs in their lives. They may not be interested now, but we all go through valleys in our lives. Times when we may be looking for God. And perhaps at that time, they'll be ready to look for you because you're the one who knows the way to God. Three years after my dinner with my brother, he called me. He was crying. 
His life was falling apart. His wife was divorcing him. I was the only one he knew who could help him find God. He placed his faith in Christ, and he has been a vibrant Christian, self-sacrificing Christian ever since. See, we don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow in our neighbors' lives where they will be looking for God. And we don't know if today there's a hidden need in their lives that they are seeking for fulfillment. After all, Christ can meet them in that need. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's an attractive message to anyone, even now, here and now generation. Consider what the gospel offers in the new life. It can touch every corner of our lives. It can fulfill any need that we have. See, Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the true vine. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the good shepherd. He's the way to God. He's truth. He is very life. He offers us living water, eternal life, and the fulfillment of life right now. Old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The gospel offers us newness. It offers a new identity. No longer do we need to look inward to our wavering feelings about ourselves or outward for the approval of others to find out who we are. We can look upward to our Creator and see how He views us. We are His adopted children, made in His image, profoundly loved by the Lord of the universe. We are royalty. We are His priests. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are treasured by God. That's the identity the Lord offers the gospel offers us new security, not one based on our HMO or our 401ks, but one based on the promises and provision of a sovereign Lord who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. The gospel offers us a new value system, not one redefined in every generation, but one built on love and unchanging truth. The gospel offers us a new purpose, not one that's self-fabricated, but one given by the creator of the universe. A new perspective, not limited to what we hear and see, but one that lifts our eyes to the heavens and to eternity. A new joy, not dependent on circumstances, but one that brings us a new sense of peace inspired by a new and living hope and a new power. Not one limited to our personal strength, but one provided by the Holy Spirit who can make us the people we deeply desire to be, those made in the image of God. Would our neighbors be interested to know that Christ offers them a new life? Some would and some wouldn't. But we should give them the opportunity to say yes or no or I have to think about it, minimally. 
Let's keep the treasures of the gospel in the forefront of our minds so our desire for our neighbors to know Christ will never fade. Value our role as ambassadors of Christ. God is asking, whom shall I send? The Apostle Paul has already answered that question for us in verses 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. He sends his message of love to the world, a world that has rebelled against him through us. God could have chosen other ways. He he spoke through a donkey. He could speak through stones. Jesus said, if you silence the people, the stones will cry out that I'm Messiah. Donkeys, stones, the wind, audible voices. God could have spoken in any way, but he chose us to give us the privilege of taking part in reconciliation between sinners and God. We are the conveyors of a message that brings people from being enemies of God to friends with him, from eternal damnation to eternal life. That message is in our hands. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually brings new life and conversion but he does it through the word of God. And we are the ones who have that word that the Holy Spirit can use. Paul said, how can they hear without a preacher? We are that preacher. We are ambassadors of Christ, bringing heavenly truth to earthly minds. Paul wrote in verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the highest possible calling. Being an ambassador of the United States to another nation is a much sought-after honor. Being an ambassador of God to a lost world is an incomprehensible honor. Ken Hughes describes this role. An ambassador acts and speaks not only on behalf of, but also in the place of the sovereign from whom he has received a commission. It's his duty to proclaim faithfully and precisely the message entrusted to him by his sovereign. Accordingly, There is a real sense in which the voice of the ambassador may be said to be the voice of the sovereign he represents. When Christ's ambassador entreats, it is equivalent to the voice of God entreating through him. God's message, his authority, and his power are all imparted to the ambassador by the Lord. Meditate on that thought.
the voice of God is speaking through us when we share the message of reconciliation, the gospel. If we take this to heart, it will transform our feelings about evangelism. We won't be intimidated by criticisms like, you are judgmental when you say, I'm a sinner. You're arrogant when you think you have the only way to God. It's hateful of you to say that God will judge me. We won't be intimidated because it's our message. It's not a message we conjured up. It's from God himself. We are not the real targets of such criticism. Jesus is. When an enemy of the United States attacks an ambassador for representing our nation's policies, the ambassador knows it's not personal. The attacks are really against those who sent him. When we understand our role as ambassadors, we will continue to stand firm on the gospel. No matter the response, we will speak God's truth. God entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. That message, God is reconciling the world to himself by forgiving sins through what Christ has done for us. It's an unpopular message because it clashes with the most cherished values of our culture. Our culture says... Everyone is basically good. The scripture says we are broken sinners estranged from God. Our culture says God is love and therefore accepts everyone. The gospel says God is love, but he is also holy and just, and he has to judge sin and sinners. Our culture says every philosophy, every religion is a way to God. The gospel says Christ alone is the way to God. Why? Because only Christ could and did take our sin so we could be reconciled to God. As ambassadors of Christ, we cannot compromise the gospel. Therefore, we should all be ready with a presentation of the gospel that is faithful to God's word and clear to our listeners. Paul asks us to implore others to be reconciled to God. Reconciliation has to be at the center of our message. Reconciliation, the healing of broken relationships, the bringing together of two parties who are alienated from one another. Colossians 1 describes the alienation of believers from God and the reconciliation. It reads, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You know, most of us don't think of ourselves as being alienated from God or hostile toward him. Yet God says everyone is or has been. Stephen Cole captures this thought. 
Our alienation from God was due to two things. On God's part, he is completely holy and has a settled wrath against all sin. On my part, I have within me an inborn selfishness and pride which causes me to ignore God who created me, to pursue my ways rather than his. Thus, there is alienation because God in his holiness cannot have fellowship with me and my sin. He cannot compromise his holiness and I cannot eradicate my sin. Regardless of the fact that we are hostile towards God by putting ourselves above him, he loves us. Despite the fact that we are enemies of God by building our own kingdom rather than his, his heart desires us. His heart desires union with us. And that's why he sent his son to die for us so we could be reconciled to him. So we can have a vibrant, loving relationship with the Lord. When we believe in Jesus, we're reconciled to God and we are in Christ. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. One day, believers will be presented before God as holy, blameless, and above reproach because we are seen to have the righteousness of Christ. It's like when a pauper marries a prince. She may be in great debt, but when she marries her, her debt becomes his, and his riches and wealth becomes hers. When we place our faith in Christ, our debt became Jesus's, and his riches and wealth and righteousness became ours. Verse 21 explains how this can happen. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The New Living Translation reads, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we might be made right with God through Christ. This verse not only explains Jesus' work in reconciling us to God, it offers us a clear presentation of the gospel. Now, I've illustrated this before, but it's so meaningful to me and could be so useful, I'm going to share it again with you. God is loving, holy, and just, and he desires a relationship with us. But there's a problem. This book represents my sin. My sin is a barrier between me and God. Because he is holy, he cannot accept me in my sinfulness. This verse tells us, he who knew no sin, Jesus never sinned, he was perfectly righteous. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might have his righteousness and be reconciled to God. It's simple, but it's profound. We each need to have a clear gospel presentation. It doesn't have to be that one. 
but find a clear and faithful presentation of the gospel to share. Now, I'm not saying go out and corner your neighbor with the gospel. What I'm saying is be ready to share the gospel and be wise. Be wise. Two of our upcoming sermons and our Life on Mission conference are going to help us to be wise. Please put the Life on Mission conference on your calendar. It's going to teach us how to listen to each other, how to listen to others, how to wonder about what's going on in their lives, how to connect the gospel to their lives. Don't miss it. God asks, whom shall I send? Let us respond. Send me. I want others to know the treasures of the gospel. Lord, I hear your call to be your ambassador. And I am ready with a gospel that is faithful and clear. We close with Westgate's core commitment to outreach as found on our website. Would you read this with me? Jesus sends his church into the world to bear witness to him and his kingdom through the gospel proclamation matched with merciful and loving service as a congregation who gathers in Weston but resides in over two dozen towns across Metro West Boston, our strategy for outreach is both to invite people in and to go out where they are. We want to, to make use of the resources and facility God has given us by creating evangelistic and service opportunities in Weston. We also want to work together in the towns and regions we live in to love our neighbors and to show them that the gospel of Jesus is a better story and that there is nothing in this world better than treasuring him. Let's pray. Our Father, your word is so great, so inspiring, and so directing. May we follow it, and may we not lose what you are bringing to us today. We love you. We want others to know your love and to love you as well. We treasure you. We want others to treasure you and find you to be their treasure. Amen.